0: lesson today. And I just want to talk about this idea of maybe getting a fresh start and a fresh beginning this morning. I think it's a fitting sermon for this morning. So Fresh Beginnings is the title. Did you ever need a fresh start for some reason? Ever need a fresh beginning besides just the pandemic? Uh, You've heard a lot about my past, but um, I'm going to zoom back to when I was 16 years old. I got my first job, my first official job And I was excited about this because a job means independence. You get your own money. I was just driving now for the first time, and I was excited to get a a paycheck. Am I too loud, by the way? I feel feel like I'm echoing. Is this okay? Okay. So my first job was at a golf course. Luke, where's your job right now? Golf Golf course. Yeah. My first job was at a golf course. Actually, it was a country club. And I was really excited for this job because it had some perks. Uh, I was going to be able to work at a golf course. I liked golf. I wasn't really good at golf, but I liked golf. I liked being outside, things like that. Uh, by working at the golf course, I got free golf on Mondays, so that was kind of cool. I could, If I wasn't working, I could go out on the golf course and get free golf. Uh, my best friend was already working there. Josh was already working at the golf course, so I got to work with my best friend. I was psyched for this job. Yeah, the guy who likes Star Wars. And I was psyched for this job and uh, really excited. In fact, people told me you can make a lot of money working here because the guys who who go here are loaded, and they they give a lot of good tips. So I was really looking forward to that, thinking, man, this job is going to be fantastic. Maybe I'll be a lifer. (laughs) Just teasing. Um, The job didn't go as I had planned, unfortunately. I was 16 years old. It was my first official job. I remember one day I had a really simple job. I was supposed to take the golf carts, you guys remember those golf carts and just, you know, park them in a row, get them lined up next to each other. And I had to take three or four or five. I don't remember how many it was and get those golf carts from where they were and just back, you know, back them up and put them where they belong. And so I got into the golf cart, golf cart. I had my license at the time, but I was a fresh driver. And I remember, you guys remember the golf carts when you turn the lever and it kind of goes like you're going in reverse and it's really loud and annoying. I got distracted by that, I think. And I ended up backing up into all these golf bags of these guys who were about ready to go golfing. <laughs> Knocked them all down. And my my uh, my uh, manager comes up to me and goes, "Walker, what are you doing?" And I'm saying, "I'm sorry, I didn't see him." He goes, well, "He goes, don't you know how to drive?" I go, "Yeah, I got my driver's license like three weeks ago." He goes, "You wouldn't know." It's like, okay, <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, later on, we had our first team meeting. You guys never worked at a place like that where you have team meetings and they got they gathered all the employees together and. And we're just going to have a basic team meeting. And he goes, I just want to go over dress code with you guys, make sure you're all on the same page. He goes, you know you're supposed to wear khaki pants and black shoes. And prior to that meeting, prior to my job there, I didn't own black sneakers. So I actually had to go and buy sneakers specifically for this job. And I just grabbed basically the first sneakers I could find. And I went to the first team meeting, and the guy's going over dress code, and he's looking at all of us, making sure we're in dress code. And he actually gets to me, and he stops. And he goes, Walker, Those shoes you have right now, he goes, they're stinking ugly. He goes, get a new pair. I was like, okay. (laughs) And my best friend, he's right there next to me and he's laughing at me. My best friend is laughing at me during the first team meeting. Very disillusioned. Uh, One of my jobs, too, is to take the golf bags, the golf cart, or the golf bags and the golf clubs and put them into the cart, get the guys ready to tee off, okay? So that's where I got my tips. That's how I made my money. Take their golf bags, put it into the cart get them all lined up for hole number one. And so I did my first day. I got the bags on the cart. Two guys were going to go and golf together. I got their bags in the cart. They were ready to go. And I said, here's your cart. Take your cart up to hole number one. But I forgot to fasten them in. And uh, as soon as they hit the gas on that golf cart, what happened to the bags? They fell out. And so did all the golf clubs. They were scattered everywhere. And this guy that I, it just happened this way. He was like the most regular, most popular guy at the country club. And my manager was there again. He's like, Walker, are you kidding me? And so I had to go gather them up. It was really embarrassing. I didn't get a good tip from that guy. I don't know what. Come on, man. You're being petty. I just knocked over your golf bag and your expensive golf clubs. And then one more experience. I had to, I was the guy, when you're a rookie at at a job, you basically do all the jobs no one else wants to do. So I was the guy that had to pick up all the balls on the golf range, you know, where they practice hitting the golf balls. And that doesn't sound like too bad of a job because you get to ride around in a cart and it has this little thing in the back that grabs the ball. So you're basically just driving around and I had my headphones in. It was was actually kind of fun. So one day I'm out there and I'm picking up all the golf balls and I kind of hit a bump, you know, and I didn't think too much about it. I just kind of went along for another 30, 45 minutes and I could tell while I'm driving because I got my headphones on. I could tell the guys who are like hitting the balls are like trying to flag me down or wave at me. And so for a while I'm just like, hey guys, what's up? waving back and they're like no 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 they're flagging me down and finally I'm like I take my headphones off I'm like what's up they go you dropped the golf thing that picks up the balls you haven't been picking up any balls for the last hour and I'm like oh no (laughs) I was disillusioned by that job that job didn't go as I had planned I didn't make a lot of tips for some reason and I, it was one of those jobs, I just needed a fresh beginning. I needed, I needed to reboot. I just needed to start it over. I wasn't actually as bad as I was looking like I was to the management. So I just needed a fresh beginning. You ever need a fresh beginning? Well, that's kind of what we're talking about today, is the fresh beginning, only this way, in a spiritual way. In Acts chapter 3, the Apostle Peter is giving a sermon. And this one, or actually two verses I want to single out from this sermon. This is what he says to the people who are listening that day. Acts chapter 3 Verses 19 and 20, Peter says to them, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that's what we want to look at today, refreshment, refreshing, fresh beginnings, fresh starts. One of the greatest character traits about our God is that he gives second chances, right? Our God gives second chances. He could even say third, fourth, and fifth chances. But that's one of the greatest character traits of our God is he allows us to reboot. He allows a fresh beginning. And that's what we want to talk about today. On a day of coming back together, I thought what would be the best, most fitting thing to talk about as we come back together as a church. And that's the spirit of this lesson today is that we come back together, we get back on track. This isn't assuming that anyone specifically has fallen off the track. I'm just speaking about in the corporate sense of our church coming back together, getting back on the same page. We need a fresh beginning, don't we? We need a fresh start. And so that's the spirit of this lesson today, is how to start fresh with the Lord, how to start fresh as a church. Page number one. I don't know if you're like me, but one of the best moments of your day is when uh, you get to take a shower. Anyone else like that? Shower is like one of the best parts of your day. Yeah, you're a mom, right? And (laughs) probably doesn't happen as often as we wish it would, but... um, Showers are great. When, when you have children, I don't know, you just need those moments of just getting your bearings, getting the shower for a few moments. And it's like one of the best parts of my day. And it's more, about, it's more than just getting clean. It's more than just the hot, the hot water hitting your face. A shower to me means refreshment, right? That's why we take showers. It's a refreshing experience. We just moved into a new house and we had a lot of issues with this new house. I, I should have used that as an illustration because we needed a fresh beginning with this new house. Everything was broken. Like when we got in there, Uh, The washer was broken. The sewer was broken. That's a big one, right? Uh, The toilet wasn't flushing. Uh, Some of the outlets weren't working. There was a lot of issues with the house. And we started to get those issues fixed, and the landlords have been great. But uh, we finally got into the shower, and I started to use the shower. And I noticed I had one of those shower heads where, like, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those showers where it squirts like 18 different directions. I don't know if it's clogged or something. I get in the shower, and it's squirting the shower curtain. It's shooting me in the eye. It's doing everything but getting me wet where I need to. And so I said to Janine, I said, How was your shower? She goes, it wasn't bad. And I'm like, you're always the optimist. I hate that about you. I said, how I said, the shower head's annoying, right? She goes, I, I guess so. I'm like, no, it's really annoying. I'm like, it squirts like 18 different directions. And I said, we need a shower head. And I said, Janine, the reason we need a shower head is because if I don't have a shower, a good shower, then I'm I'm not gonna make it. That's the last refreshment I have. So we went out and we bought a shower head and it got a lot better. Now it squirts in one good direction and uh, that's a lot better. But a shower to me means refreshment, right? What if we could have that kind of refreshing experience beyond just that sampling of a shower each day? What if we could have true long-lasting spiritual refreshment that lasts into eternity? i want to talk about God's mercy to start off today. God's mercy. Paul read a portion of of a scripture from Lamentations 3. And I know you're at least familiar with this part of Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 24, because it says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Amen to that? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In Proverbs 28, verses 13 to 14, the writer of Proverbs says this. He says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But the one who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Don't we all want God's mercy? God's mercy is a good thing. Can you ever have too much mercy from God? See, God's mercy, receiving God's mercy, is like taking a spiritual shower for the soul. It's it's total refreshment. It's that fresh beginning that you're hoping for. Receiving God's mercy means the Lord does not hold our past failings and our past sins against us. Amen? The Lord does not hold our past failings and sins against us. Consider that. I don't think we can say, however, that God's mercy is a blank check to act inappropriately, is it? That's not what mercy is about. Mercy is not to say, hey, listen, God will forgive sin with impunity. No, that's not what mercy is about. And that's why I included those two passages together. I want to see the, the tension, the relationship between mercy. Because this, these passages mean that the Lord extends his mercy to us every new morning. As long as there's a new day, we could find mercy offered to us as a part of God's grace. Every morning, every new day, which means today we could find brand new mercy from our God. But in order to find that mercy, we must own up to our own failings. Do you know that? In order to find God's mercy, you must confess your failings to the Lord. And you must be ready to be done with those sins for the sake of pleasing your God once again confess your sins, forsake your sins, and return to the covenant relationship you had with the Lord. I want you to imagine if every morning you went to take a shower, it did nothing more than make shower-like noises or play a YouTube video of water coming out of a shower head, but you actually didn't get wet, you didn't get clean, nothing like that happened. Would that be enough for you? Would that be enough to have just a semblance of a shower, a shower-like virtual experience without any cleaning happening or any refreshment taking place would anyone just be satisfied with a video of a shower of course not you guys know what those virtual fireplaces are like you ever seen those on youtube or whatever Um, those are okay i guess i can see the value in it but would anyone else much rather have an actual fireplace than a video of a fireplace see virtual experiences of things that are really good and helpful for us aren't enough The primary reason we need showers is because they cleanse us. They cleanse us. They take the filth and the dirt off of us, and they allow us to feel new and brand new once again. Or imagine if you did take a shower each morning, and right after you took the shower, you immediately began working out or doing some intense gardening or yard work. Right after that, you took a shower, and you went right back into the garden, right back into the gym, and all the filth that was just off you, you put right back on. Well, whatever refreshment you got from that shower was so short-lived, it's probably not that helpful to you. Refreshment that doesn't last long isn't really true refreshment. We need refreshment that lingers. Refreshment that lasts. That's why we take showers after we have done things that make us dirty. So that we can be clean and feel good for a long time following that process. God's mercy to us is very much the same way. God extends his mercy to us so that we can confess our sins and find his actual cleansing forgiveness and healing through Jesus. But not only does God's mercy cleanse us, it teaches us to stay away from his, from the spiritual filth that made us dirty. So mercy does two things, it cleanses you, it heals you, it forgives you, and it teaches you to stay away from the dirt, from the filth spiritually. Sin As much as God delights in extending his mercy to us, because he does delight in that, he would much rather not have to keep offering us mercy over and over. Let me read you a passage from Romans 6, verses 1 to 2. The Apostle Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Seems logical, right? If God loves showing mercy and grace, why don't we sin more and he can just continue to show us mercy and grace? And then he says this, By no means, or it actually translates to God forbid. He says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Should we continue to sin that we would receive more and more mercy? God forbid. How can we who died to sin still live in that sin? You see, mercy is about getting a fresh start for new, holy, Christ-like living. Because holy living is better than continually receiving mercy from God. Because that's the point of mercy. The point of mercy is to allow us to live holy and Christ-like once again. Mercy given to us means that there has been sin in our lives, that we have hurt the Lord and his people. That's what sin is. You've hurt the Lord, you've hurt his people. And the point of mercy is not to say about those sins, no big deal, no big deal, or to allow us to sin with impunity. That's not the point of mercy. To say, hey, you can sin now with with no consequence. Go out and sin and just, whenever you're done with sinning, just come back and I'll forgive you. That's not the point of mercy. Mercy is to reveal to us God's willingness to help us to be useful for his kingdom. I'll say that again. God's mercy is given to us to reveal to us God's willingness to help us be useful for his kingdom. Mercy given to us is also to reveal to us God's amazing love So that we will live differently than we did before. So we will live differently than we did before. Mercy is for the sake of holy living. It's for the sake of Christ-like living. Mercy is for the sake of us being useful for God's will and kingdom. That's why mercy is given to us. So that we can be restored and be useful for God once again. Because when we're sinning, are we useful for God? We're not. We're not useful for God while we're sinning. We're only useful for God when we're obeying. And mercy is to allow us to come back to that path. Mercy also does not mean there's not going to be any consequences for our sin. Because sin brings horrible consequences, does it not? Sin brings consequences. Uh, The other day, I confessed something to my church body. The other day I got frustrated. I don't know if there were toys on the floor, if I was just having one of those days. But I kicked a toy on the floor in frustration, kicked a toy. This toy happened to be heavier and more dense than I thought it was going to be. And it hurt my foot. And uh, I just remember, as I kicked the toy, going, that was stupid. Why did I do that, you know? And I remember thinking, even in that moment, man, there's consequences for sin. There's consequences when you make dumb decisions, right? So mercy doesn't mean that God won't spare us from the consequences sometimes he will sometimes God will take a severe consequence and keep us from that but generally speaking sin brings consequence and mercy really isn't about taking the consequence away so that we could sin without consequence but generally speaking God's mercy is about restoration it's about restoring our relationship with him so that our covenant love with him can be healed and continued See, sin has consequences. It's how we learn not to play around with sin. That's how I learned not to kick toys out of frustration. I hurt my foot. And I need to remember that next time my my body tells me to kick a toy. But mercy means that sin does not have to be our final chapter, does it? Sin does not have to write our story thanks to God's mercy. Aren't you thankful for that? That sin doesn't have to define your legacy upon this earth thanks to God's mercy. Your legacy, your relationship with the Lord can be healed and restored. Because it says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. But that's not the end of the verse. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Mercy means we do not have to remain in the sin and the filth that bring about eternal death. We don't have to remain there. Two of the most famous characters and godliest men in the entire Bible had to find spiritual refreshment from the Lord. Did you know that? Two of the most famous Bible characters and godliest men we can think of in the (coughs) scriptures both had to have spiritual refreshment from the Lord. Our first example is King David. Uh, King David, I ask my children all the time what their favorite story is from the Bible, and I don't know if this is your answer, Had, but the twins always say David and Goliath. They love the story of David and Goliath, probably because they get to throw things at Daddy when we act it out. Um... But they love the story of King David. King David is one of the godliest men in the entire Bible. In fact, he's termed from God, a man after God's own heart. What a great title, right? Wouldn't you love that? To follow your name, a man or woman after God's own heart? King David left a godly legacy upon this earth. But even King David knew what it was to need a spiritual refreshment from the Lord because of his heinous sin with Bathsheba. If you have your Bibles, go to Psalm 51. I want to read the Psalm of David right after it's realized to David how much he's messed up. His friend Nathan comes to David and tells David, David, you messed up. You messed up. You slept with someone who wasn't your wife, got her pregnant, and then tried to conceal that by having her husband killed on the front lines of the battle. And Nathan came and creatively said to his friend David, the king, David, you messed up. And once David realized that, this is the psalm we have in Psalm 51. Listen to the language. Verse 1, it says, "'Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight.'" so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities." Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered onto your altar. David in Psalm 51 pleads to the Lord for cleansing and repentance and restoration from his God. He knew that he was spiritually filthy before the eyes of God. He was filthy before God's eyes. And he desperately wanted to find this spiritual refreshment. He wanted to find cleansing and forgiveness from his heinous sins because his sins were heinous. We understand and appreciate the role of mercy in spiritual refreshment. But what is the role of repentance? What is the role of repentance in spiritual refreshment? Listen to verse 13 once again, and David says this, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. The other day I was driving somewhere that I had never been before. And I told you before, I'm really bad at directions. (laughs) I was driving somewhere I would never been before, and I actually got on the wrong road and the wrong lane on the wrong road. Guys, it's hard to be wronger than that. I was in a lane I shouldn't have been in on a road I didn't want to go on. <laughs> it's not much, you can't go much worse than that unless you're texting while you're driving, which glad, gladly I wasn't. But do you know how frustrating it is to go the wrong way and to make progress on the wrong road? I had, to, I had to go for a while until I find the turnaround and get back on the right road. And so for a while I was progressing in the wrong direction. That's incredibly frustrating. But thankfully, no one on the road knew any better, and I was able to conceal the fact that I was going the wrong way. So because of that, I just continued going the wrong way, and everything was fine, right? As long as you don't get into an accident and don't cause any road rage, going the wrong direction isn't that bad, right? Right? No, wrong. That's ridiculous. Going wrong, going the wrong way is horrible. It's a horrible feeling when you know you're going the wrong way. I had to turn around as soon as I could, get back on the right road because I wanted to go home. I was trying to go home, and I wasn't happy until I was on the right road making progress towards going home. You see, for a while, David was progressing in sinfulness. He sinned once, a really bad sin. If he would have repented, he could have stopped a lot of those consequences. But David continued to progress on the wrong road. Sin led to sin, which led to sin, which led to sin. It's the snowball effect, right? And you guys know that's how sin works. The more you give it to sin, the easier it is to sin even more. Adultery led to murder and an attempt to conceal his sin. David was progressing in the wrong road. See, this word repentance sometimes gets a bad rap because it sounds kind of like a harsh word, kind of like God is slapping us on the wrist or maybe rubbing our nose in our sin. But that's not what repentance is. That's not at all what repentance is. In fact, I'm going to say it this way. Repentance is the gift of spiritual refreshment. Repentance is the gift of spiritual refreshment because this is what repentance means. You get to leave the wrong path and you get to come back to the embrace of your Lord. You get to leave your wrong path and you get to come back to the Lord. Repentance means come back to the Lord. The other day I was teaching my children about the word repentance and I was trying to think of a creative way to help them understand what repentance means. So we live on this dead-end road. It's, it's uh, dead-end. And, and, and at dusk, even at, at dusk, it gets really dark. And the road is kind of a lonely, scary-feeling kind of road. And my children know that. We've, we've been on the road at dusk and when it gets dark. And uh, it's kind of a scary place to be, unfortunately. So I was trying to teach my children what's, what repentance looks like. And I said to them, I said, imagine if you were on that road at night. With Daddy. Okay, Daddy is there. Daddy's next to you. It's getting dusk, though, and the sun is going down, and it's getting dark on that road. And imagine if you left my side to chase a rabbit, which they love to do. They love chasing rabbits. Rabbits are terrified of my children. (laughs) If you have a rabbit, just steer clear. Um, They love chasing rabbits. So I said to my children, I said, imagine if you left my presence to chase a rabbit, and you ran far enough to be out of the sight of Daddy, and you couldn't see Daddy anymore. And now you're on a dark road by yourself. It's dark, it's scary, it's lonely, and you don't know where your dad is. I said, what would you do? And my children are very smart. They said we'd call out for daddy. That's what they said. We would call out for daddy. Daddy, where are you? And I thought about that going, man, that's, that's kind of what repentance is. Repentance is getting lost in sin on a very dark path. It's recognizing where you are, and it's calling out to the Lord for restoration. And the Lord tells us to do something as soon as we call out to him. He says, turn around, turn back, come back to me. You're going the wrong way. You're going in the wrong direction. And as soon as we turn around, what do we find from our Lord? Just like we see in the parable of the prodigal son, we see the Lord with his arms open, ready to embrace us, ready to take us back, to offer us full forgiveness. But in order to find that, we have to turn around. We have to turn back to him. We have to call out to him. We have to recognize we're on a bad path. We're on a dangerous path, and we need to get back with our Lord. And that's what David is doing in Psalm 51. He's saying, Lord, where are you? Lord, how did I get here? Lord, I'm in a bad place, and I've messed up. And the Lord allowed David to get back on the path. He allowed David to come back. And the reason we know King David got back on the right path is because for the rest of his life, he's characterized as a man after God's own heart. He lives his life in the presence of the Lord, in the glory of the Lord, in the the obedience of the Lord. Listen to the sermon Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2. I read a portion from Acts 3, and I'm going to read a portion from Acts chapter 2. Peter's preaching to this whole congregation, this whole group of Jewish people, okay? And some of these people were the same people that were just yelling only days and weeks before, crucify him when it was Jesus or Barabbas to be released. They were saying, crucify Jesus. And now Peter has an opportunity to speak to this group of people. Man, what would you say? What would you say to a group of people that just were there yelling, crucify to the Lord Jesus? And in Acts chapter 2, verses 36, he says this, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37, now when they heard this, You see, guys, repentance is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Repentance means that our Lord Jesus wants us to come back to his loving arms. That's what it means. He wants us back. I mean, Pastor Mel and I, for the last several weeks, have wanted you guys back. Really. I mean, this is not just about, you know, playing church. We wanted you guys back together with us. And we were praying and talking about what that would look like. And repentance means God wants us back in his loving arms. Do you know what a blessing it is to be able to turn around and find a fresh beginning with the Lord? Does anyone need that fresh beginning today? Does anyone need a fresh start or beginning with the Lord today? Because you can find it. Thanks to God's mercy and thanks to repentance. In Acts chapter 9, we come to our second example of someone who needed spiritual refreshment from the Lord. Another really godly guy, although his... The beginning of his story isn't that way. His name is Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus in the day was the most zealous and devoted Jewish Pharisee that you could find. No one was more devout or or zealous than Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus one day was actually going to this town Damascus to persecute Christians. That's why he was going to Damascus, to find as many Christ followers as he could find, drag them out from their homes, lock them up, and possibly have them executed. And while doing that, Saul of Tarsus thinks he's right. He thinks that's the right thing to do. He thinks he's on the right path. Have you ever gone so wrong? Have you ever been so wrong? Guys, when I hurt my wife or my children with my words, can I go more wrong than that? That is my family. That's my team. What about church family? When you hurt a person in your church, a person who's part of your eternal family, can you go more wrong than that? That's how wrong sin is. Paul, Saul, is persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. He's locking up Christians, and he thinks he's right. And on the way, he's confronted by who? The Lord Jesus himself from heaven. A light comes down, a voice comes from heaven, And Jesus confronts Saul of Tarsus and he tells Saul in the kindness of language, Saul, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong direction. You're hurting my people, Saul. And it's the wrong way. It's sin. It's evil, Paul. Saul, turn around. He didn't shame Saul. He didn't rub his nose in his sin, but he saved him from continuing on in an evil, wrong path any longer. And he allows Saul of Tarsus, to turn around. Turn around spiritually. And Saul did that day. He turns around spiritually for the rest of his life. Now the apostle Paul, that we all know and love, is allowed to make progress on the right path. To come back to his Lord and to serve the right path, go on the right path, so that one day he could return to the spiritual home in the presence of the Lord. Even Paul needed a fresh beginning. King David and Paul, two of the godliest guys that I can think of, even needed a fresh beginning. If you would ask King David and the Apostle Paul about repentance, no doubt they would liken it to spiritual refreshment in new life. Repentance is leaving the sinful path you're currently on and returning to the way of Jesus and his commandments. It's leaving the wrong path and coming back to the right path of God's commandments. Guys, repentance is better than saying you're Sorry. It's better to continually sin and say to the Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I've sinned again. I've done it over. I keep doing it. Man, I keep doing it, God. I'm sorry. Repentance is saying no to that sin. Repentance is breaking up with that sin. Repentance is turning around away from that sin and coming back to the Lord. Repentance is the practical receiving and acceptance of God's mercy. Without repentance, there is no turning away from sin. There is no coming back to the Lord. There is no forgiveness. There is no mercy. Because repentance and mercy are a package deal. If you get one, you get the other. If you want God's mercy, you got to repent. And if you repent, you will always find God's mercy. Aren't you thankful for that? But they're a package deal. You can't break those two up. And I want you to consider Paul's amazing turnaround only days after his fresh beginning. This is right in the same chapter that Paul is going to Damascus to persecute Christians. In verse 19 to 22, listen to what it says. For some days, he, Paul, was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. Wow. I mean, think about that. And immediately, Paul enters the synagogues and starts telling people that Jesus is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? They're stunned, going, This guy, Saul of Tarsus, is now in the synagogues telling us to follow Jesus Christ. In verse 22, it said, But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Saul of Tarsus got a spiritual, fresh beginning, and he never turned back to sin. That's everything that he needed, everything that he wanted. Paul wanted to know he was going the right way. And when he found out he was going the wrong way, man, he wanted off that path. I don't want to be on this dark, lonely, sinful path any longer. Lord, put me on the right path. The Lord did, and Paul stayed there. So like King David and Saul of Tarsus, do you need a spiritual refreshment or a fresh beginning from the Lord? Do you need a spiritual refreshment and fresh beginning from the Lord? I'm going to give you a few applications, and I'm going to give these applications to you in the sense of a personal way. Maybe you need a spiritual refreshment from the Lord, personally speaking. But I'm also going to look at this from the corporate Wyoming Valley Church way. As we come back together as a church, do we need a spiritual refreshment from the Lord? I'm going to ask you a few questions. Number one, Is there any sin that you need to confess to and own up today before the Lord? Is there any sin in your life right now that you need to confess and own up to today? Because confession is the first step to finding mercy in a fresh beginning. You can't find a spiritual refreshment until you confess your sins. Is there any sin in your life today that you need to confess and own up to? Number two. Is there anyone that you have heard and spoken against that you need to ask forgiveness from? Anyone you wounded in the past several days or weeks that you need to say to that person, I'm sorry, I hurt you. I recognize that and I want your forgiveness and I want to be restored with you. Is there anyone that you need to find restoration with in this church, in your life? Number three, have you been away from the scriptures for a season and wandered from your Lord Jesus? possible has this pandemic been a spiritual wasteland for you have you gotten off track have you gotten away from the lord and his scriptures if so turn back number four did you struggle coming back to the church today wondering if you can do without it who needs the church do i really need the church is the church that important yes it is we all need the church Number five, is there a sin that you have been turning to in order to handle the stress, frustration, and fear in your life? Guys, if so, don't justify it. Don't justify sin. That is the means to carrying on the wrong path. If you justify sin, all you do is go wrong the longer. If you've been turning to a sin to handle stress, frustration, and fear in your life, confess it and find mercy today, and you will be restored. Number six, have you neglected the needs of others for the sake of your own desires? Have you been selfish lately? Have you considered only your needs, only what you want, only your dreams and your wishes and how you can get good treatment and good things out of this life? Have you neglected the needs of those around you? And number seven, have you been anxious? Have you forgotten the great love, salvation, and faithfulness of your Lord? Maybe like many of us, have you been prone to fear, anxiety, and worry during this pandemic? Have you forgotten that God is on his throne? He's holding the universe together by his word. I don't know if you need that spiritual refreshment, but I'm going to assume someone here does, including myself. And I know us as a church needs to come back together into a good, strong place that we can go forward with, right? And therefore, we all need God to give us a reboot, a fresh start, maybe even a stronger start than we've ever had. Whatever it is, in your own soul, in the souls of all of us who are sitting here, let us confess our sins and repent today. Because it says in Lamentations 3, once again, listen to the language, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And as we started this lesson today from Acts chapter 3, Peter said, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Don't you want spiritual refreshment with the Lord? Let us all find a fresh beginning and start anew with the Lord today and go forward for Jesus Guys, Jesus is home. Let's all go back home today. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be back together. And we thank you for the opportunity of a spiritual, fresh beginning. Touch the souls here, Father. Help us to come back if we need to, to repent, to confess what we need to and to return to the loving embrace of our Lord so that we can be restored, be healed, and continue going on the right path that you've placed us on. Father, help our church now as we come back together as a church. Give us wisdom. Give us safety. Give us togetherness and unity. Help us to embrace each other, to pray for each other, to be excited about being together. Do something great for your name's sake, And Father, help us to reach this community. This community is hurting. It's dark right now. It's scary right now. Father, they're in need of hope. They're in need of the light of Jesus Christ. And we have it. Help us to shine that light brightly with our lives, with our words, with what we say, with what we do. Give us a fresh beginning and a fresh start. And we say this all for the name of your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.